0: Welcome, guys. Thank you for joining me for this episode of It's a Wrap. I am your host, Antricia Bray, here with two special co-hosts today, Miss Lacey Callahan and Abby Raleigh. And I am so excited to have them here as we're going to talk about um, the truth about kids and their accessibility to drugs, which is an important topic to talk about. And it kind of go along with uh, the episode that I did talking about it's not just back to school. I mentioned some of the uh, issues that are beginning to surface in the school and the kids' accessibility to drugs and the th- some of the things that we're not talking about that we need to talk about. Nonetheless, ladies, thank you for joining me here on the set today. Go ahead and tell the audience a little bit about who you are and what it is that you do.
1: Hello, and thank you so much for having us. We're really excited to be able to visit with everyone a little bit about what we're doing. My name is Lacey Callahan and I am the project director for Community Opioid Intervention Pilot Project through Choctaw Nation. That's a mouthful, I know. Um, My roles and responsibilities include overseeing a substance abuse prevention program tailored to Specifically help the community understand the crisis that we're going through. And then also we do internal work in building a cultural specific curriculum for our residential facilities as well.
2: Hi, and my name is Abby Rowley, and I also work for Choctaw Nation. I work on a grant called the Tribal Opioid Response Grant, and I do drug prevention. I'm also an LPC, a licensed professional counselor, and so I also can provide treatment um, to those who fit our grants. The biggest component of my job right now has been going into schools um, to do drug awareness and drug awareness and education, and not just with the children, but also with the faculty when I'm able to do that.
0: Yeah, um, I I think that's important. Uh, One of the things I've heard you both mention is about opioids. Can you tell us a little bit about what opioids is and how accessible they are?
2: Lacey, do you want to take that, or want me to jump in? Go ahead and jump in. Okay. So, in a nutshell, the easiest way um to say it, an opioid is a painkiller. Um, at the medical level, it's a prescription painkiller prescribed by doctors. Um, it is considered um, a narcotic, and so it is um like scheduled. So it's as far as getting that prescription for that pain, pain pill. Not everybody is going to give it. Not all doctors are as comfortable giving it, um, but we still do have that opioid crisis in the United States where it is overprescribed, um, and then you have the illegal side of the opioids, and so that looks like heroin, illicit fentanyl, which we, I'm guessing, we'll probably get into a little bit tonight. Um, Lacey, what are some of the other illegal narcotic, illegal opioids?
1: Those are the two two main ones that surface. Of course, people are sharing prescription medications that are in the realm of painkillers, which, of course, makes that illegal. But the two main ones that we're seeing the most of currently are heroin and fentanyl and carfentanil. Yeah.
0: You know, when when, when I think about that, not only as an educator, but as a parent, you know, and as a woman growing up in uh, a rural area, you know when we hear about uh, the stories associated around heroin, and, and then the celebrities with the fentanyl, because I've never heard of it uh, until you know they were talking about the celebrities with the fentanyl. I'd never heard of such a thing. It seems kind of um, deja vu now that our kids now are getting access to these type of potent drugs, (laughs) fatal in most cases, you know. Um, How are kids getting access to this stuff?
2: So um, they're getting access to a lot of it from other kids. And so I think that that's something that Lacey and I both talk about out in the community is, you know, they're not buying from quote unquote drug dealers anymore. They're buying from each other and so they're raiding medicine cabinets of relatives friends whoever they can they're taking those pills and then they're selling them in school so that's one of the ways that the kids are getting these illegal and some their prescription medications some of them are prescription um, but they're getting them and once they take them that like Lacey said that at that point is illegal
0: yeah i'm yes, thinking, and- thinking that uh you know these drugs are not uh prescribed to the kids <laughs> you know we live in a society where many people are living with pain and things like that but uh looking at just the population that i'm around uh daily i can't see that many of these prescriptions are um, prescribed to the kids themselves so do you think uh or what is your experience in uh And do you have any data that supports uh, that the kids are getting this stuff uh, illegally or or raiding uh, family um, drug and medicine cabinets and things like that? Uh, Because it's so widespread, what what do you think that they're getting it? what What does the data show that they're getting access to this stuff?
2: One of the Lacey, I know, I know that we had actually talked about this earlier. Lacey and I got the opportunity to talk um, Tuesday night with with a group too. Um, and as far as specific numbers, like pulling that off the top of my head, I don't want to I don't want to lie to you um, and give you a number. But Lacey, do you remember that? So the DEA, they are when they seize those drugs, those illicit drugs, they're testing them and they're finding fentanyl, which is an opioid, and they're finding this illicit fentanyl in every drug that they're um, testing. I I can't remember, Lacey, we had talked about that uh, statistic that was like, I know that we talked about Tuesday night, I can't think of it off the top of my head what number that was, but it's 100% of the illicit drugs that they're testing are testing positive not every, I don't mean like every single time they have a drug bust and test those drugs that every single time there's fentanyl in it, but every type of drug that they are getting also has fentanyl in it. And so there's this cross-contamination that's happening. Mm. So sometimes these children are getting this uh, fentanyl, they're getting this opioid when they think that they're just vaping or they're just vaping marijuana um, or dabbing marijuana. And so some of it is accidental.
1: Absolutely. And I, I unfortunately don't have the statistics with me either. So I don't want to misquote in any way, but that was absolutely what I was going to hit on. We're seeing a lot of people accidentally ingesting it. And the, I know that the data is rich with our law enforcement showing that that is a a strong correlation to what's occurring. There's a lot of accidental um, overdoses and intentional poisonings and, 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 you know, we always question, does it happen here? Does it happen here? And the reality is we are seeing that it is happening here. I did have a report from somebody in the LaFleur County area that someone had actually went into a vape shop and purchased what they believe to be true vape liquid. And in that liquid, there it did test positive for fentanyl as well. So that's very concerning. And it's something, you know, with the vaping crisis being what it is with our youth that we have to be very, very cognizant of, I feel like.
2: yeah Yeah. Lacey has a good um analogy that she uses when when she talks and i know one of the other ladies on her grant talks about it as well um and so sometimes they're not meaning to necessarily lace things with fentanyl but fentanyl absorbs into other things so well that what happens is um there is that cross-contamination but even when they're trying when they're they're creating this fentanyl um Lacey talks about it's kind of like chocolate chip cookies and you dump those chocolate chips into the batter and then you scoop them out and you're not counting how many chocolate chips are in each individual cookie you just scoop them and go along and that's what's happening with this fentanyl too um, and so what we're seeing is some people could get fentanyl from the same batch and they may be okay and then the other person may overdose and die because maybe they got more of the the chocolate chips in that instance than their their counterpart did so that's just definitely a concern so we might not have like necessarily the statistics but we know like Lacey said that it's happening it's happening here um, and it's happening in our small communities which is absolutely terrifying
0: absolutely and and you know even with uh marijuana being uh, use and legalize for medicinal purposes, you know. We know that even still kids are getting access to that from from home and, and it's not regulated uh, in in a, in a healthy way. <laughs> Probably not in any way at all, but most of the time you know as kids, they can't see beyond what they know or what they are uh, exposed to from day to day. They just don't have that uh, mental capacity to be able to uh, understand the consequences or uh, the risks that are involved with some of the things, and, and even in the small areas, uh, these poor counties in in which uh, I'm in, uh, Choctaw County, Push County, and McCurtain County, and I know LaFleur uh, County, as you mentioned, it's it's we're we're some of the top poorest counties in the state of Oklahoma. And so when you look at that and you look at uh, the illegal drug use and even those that they're trying to regulate with the marijuana, um, still it's creating greater issues uh, in our communities and in our schools. Um, How open has school administration been to allow you guys to come in and educate and uh, and do what you do to help draw more awareness of what we can do as a school and as a community to uh, prevent some of these overdoses and usage of underage uh, addictions in our kids.
2: Some of the schools are really open and they're open open to Everything. You know, I had this one school in particular who I, I do not only opioid prevention, but also meth prevention. And I've had some schools that are like, we know it's important, but I the parents won't like that. And so I don't talk about meth. Um, And then I've had this one school in particular, and it's a small school. And that school counselor is like, bring it all. We want it all. Like we want to know everything we can to make this um, place a little bit better and safer for these kids. And and they need this information. And so sometimes the schools are completely open, but sometimes we still have that factor of, we have to be careful about certain topics because parents will get upset, which we understand. but we also can't pretend that the problem doesn't exist. So.
1: Well, and to piggyback off of that, I feel like knowledge is so powerful. I know that's kind of cliche to say that, but the more education that we're getting out there and really enlightening people as to, yes, this is truly happening in the community, and yes, it's truly impacting our youth, the more responsive people are becoming to to hearing that information and bringing that out, bringing that in and allowing their children to hear that information as well. So that's a tremendous focus of ours as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Now, when we think of drugs, me and my old mind, (laughs) when I think about drugs, I think about, uh, you know, the the marijuana joint that they roll up, used to roll up in that white paper. (laughs) all those many years ago. And I I think about the white lines of stuff. You see them on TV snorting up in their noses and things like that. But we know as time and technology and uh, knowledge and all that has evolved, so have our drugs. What's making drugs so enticing for our children uh, to even want to, indulge in so to speak or to try. Uh, I know some of it uh is now looking like candy. <laughs> we we've yeah. we've had some instances where children are uh eating gummies and uh cookies and brownies uh with <laughs> this uh drug uh in induced into it. And so uh, we see them on these episodes of, of of being high and crashing and overdosing and all that stuff. So uh, how has drugs evolved from being what I used to know was drugs and wanted to stay away from as uh, being so enticing to children nowadays? I
2: think social media has played a really large part in that um what you say so Lacey? oh yeah
1: absolutely i mean it's appealing visually so you have like this image of something that looks cool that um is branded in a cool capacity and um that's such a tremendous drawing source i feel like people just get drawn i mean we think about ourselves with like when we go to the grocery store they put things beside the checkout stand that. You know, you just have to have what you're checking out because you're standing there looking at it. And I think that that's it's been glamorized to a point where people are just seeking that because it's something that looks cool and feels cool um, to to be involved in. And I, I do think our media and social media, unfortunately, do play a role in that as well.
2: Yeah, and I think too, um, so vapes have changed um, and they don't just look like an electronic cigarette anymore. They look like lots of things. They look like highlighters and pens and inhalers, lipstick, um, cell phones, watches. They, they look like so many different things and that's interesting to kids. Um, that's neat. They they now have this cool way to hide this from their parents. And, and what I emphasize to kids when I am talking about vaping is you know, you're holding the equivalent of hundreds of cigarettes in your hands, um, at one time. And so while maybe they took some of those chemicals out of vapes, they still didn't take all of them and they didn't take the nicotine and that's, what's addictive. And so we're seeing kids with addiction issues. Maybe it is just addiction to nicotine. Um, but then what else can I try? What else can I feed my brain with? Um, and feed my body, and so that's that's part of the issue too of why I think kids are seeking things, um, because it's not just drugs anymore. It's this: how do we hide this and get away with it? And this is interesting and fun, and um, it's it's almost sometimes like a game more so than anything else. Starting off, and then like you said, a lot of it looks like candy, um, and so that's the scare with fentanyl right now. It's very colorful. It, it's it's pretty it's like Lacey said it's visually pleasing to look at um, these pictures of this uh, fentanyl that looks like candy and so how could that hurt me when it doesn't look dangerous and so I think that's a big scare and and a big drive behind why these kids are using um, and I do a lot of that I do blame um, the vapes and just the accessibility that they have to that because anybody if they work hard enough can get a hold of something that they're not supposed to have. And so I was at a school, it's a small school and the youngest that they had confiscated a vape from was third grade. It may have been fourth grade, fourth grade. And so you've got fourth graders who are vaping. That's a problem because if they're vaping in fourth grade what are they going to be using when they're 18, 19 years old?
0: What kind of uh, physical changes and mental changes are you seeing in these kids? when they're addicted or have become exposed to these type of uh, drugs,
2: definitely behavior problems, mood mood issues. Um, you know, and that's one of the things I talk to you about kids too. And I always ask them, "Have you do you have anybody in your family who vapes or smokes?" Um, there's always yeses, and I said, "Have you been around them when they need a cigarette?" And They're like, "Yeah." I'm like, "Well, how how are they?" And they're like, they're mean okay, well, you can get addicted to that too. And then how are you going to be when you need that fix? And so we are seeing uh, behavior issues. um, And we can really relate it back to that they're addicted, so they need their fix. and, um, And then also it's harmful to their brain development. And so I've talked with kids, you know, do you have issues with, do you get in trouble for being impulsive You know, do teachers or your parents ever say, why'd you do that? And you're like, I don't know. And like the part of your brain that controls that's being damaged when you're taking in substances. And so if it's already hard for you to sometimes make good choices and not be impulsive, how much harder is that going to be for these kids when their brain is addicted to a substance? And so it does, it hinders brain development. It hinders, um, Total body development. It can even impact, like vaping, can even impact your uh, skin, your liver, your eyes, um, and even your bladder. So that was of one of the things that. that
0: that that I was hoping that you get to because uh, looking around and just observing, like I do so well. <laughs> that's one of the things that I'm beginning to notice physically in children. You know, you always notice the behaviors and things like that, and sometimes they can even go. Uh, unnoticed as just being labeled the bad kid or the kid that's always in trouble. But I'm noticing a lot of skin changes in uh, our youth. And uh, I've wondered if much of that is conducive to the uh, drug use or the vaping or, or whatever it is that they're getting a hold to. Also, I wanted to ask you about, you know, the energy drinks, uh, so to speak. I see a lot of that on campuses and things like that. The monster drinks and uh, things like that. Is that uh, kind of something that goes hand in hand with uh, accessibility that's easy to get as well? Does it have some type of physiological effect uh, on our children?
2: I don't know that I've done a whole lot of research when it comes to energy drinks. If I'm gonna be honest, Lacey, have you?
1: I sh- I sure haven't. From from what I have gathered, it's not as big of a crisis as it initially was. Um, unfortunately, because a lot of people are probably replacing that with other things that are more detrimental to their well-being. But I I would misspeak if I offered any insight as to energy drinks i just don't have that information available i'm so sorry
0: no no problem it's just that you know early years early 2000s you know that was one of the big things that i noticed in schools that um kids were having access to this they get a, a high from it and then by midday they would generally and have meltdowns and and then seeing that now that they still uh have access to these drinks um I wondered if it still had some effect as it did in the earlier years uh and and it may have been regulated and and stuff since then uh I named one in particular but but not to just point that out you see many different variations of that and uh I know that our uh, kids have access to it. So I didn't know if it was uh, still an issue on a, a crisis level or if it's um, kind of being overlooked behind some of the other things that are or uh, uh, more accessible now, such as the pretty uh, drugs.
2: <laughs> yeah. I don't know that's all a good some good questions unfortunately, I don't feel qualified to to answer that, but I imagine it's uh probably still for some kids very impactful so
0: yeah. uh so when coming into the uh school to uh share uh your programs and things that uh you do and you know about your information, how do you help? teachers so to speak uh in the schools recognize uh what to look for and what signs and what support can you give them
2: so i think that Lacey's grant and my grant both we have current drug trend trainings that we do and a part of what um a part of what we feel like is important um is talking about what does addiction and teenagers look like or kids what does addiction look like and what does that withdrawal look like and then we also talk about what does overdose look like because they need to know and then Lacey's great in particular does Narcan trainings for teachers and I was actually thinking about this tonight because I knew we were going to be talking I was like I I really think that's important for Lacey to talk about the Narcan on here and what they are doing out in the community as well.
1: Yeah so um, because of COVID you know there were many restrictions with face-to-face interaction. So we changed a lot of our formatting to showcase like the Narcan in the drive-through format, where we just did a quick spill about how to utilize it, ensure that someone felt confident using it. And then we would provide the kit and of course, other education, as far as like locking up your medication and getting rid of unused unwanted and expired medication as well. But Fortunately, we're now in a situation where we can resume some of the face to face contact and uh, we are we message that we believe it's critical for not only just people who know someone abusing opiates or something in the class of that, but for anyone um, that has interaction with really anyone to have that kit readily available to them. It's very simple, very easy to use. What Choctaw Nation has on formulary is the nasal spray. And when you get, obtain a box of that, it has two different nasal sprays in it. And I mean, it, it is very simple. The instructions are on the box, but um, we do have the, the fortune of being able to communicate this with, with our community partners and really anyone will, who will listen. And we have had the opportunity to share this with some of our school administration as well. Uh, And for those who do not know what what naloxone or Narcan is, it's the opioid overdose uh, reversal kit. It does come in different uh, capacities, but like I said, the one that we're most familiar with is the nasal spray. So that's something that we have the the fortune of getting out there and sharing and bringing awareness to and providing to those that will have us.
2: I think something really important about um, what Lacey does in in that grants and, and just that education when it comes to fentanyl and using that Narcan is that fentanyl doesn't just have to be ingested. Um, it, it can be um, contact. And so you can actually be poisoned from that fentanyl if you're touching stuff that's laced with fentanyl. And so it it can be anywhere. And so that's what they talk about. Like, really, if you're interacting with people on a day to day basis, you probably should at right now have some Narcan if possible. Um, Or if you have family members who um, use illegal drugs or if they use pain medication that's prescribed to them, it's good to have some, not just for their sake, but to have when you're going places um, with them. And, And it's just really important to be able to have that in case it's needed. You'd rather have it than and not ever use it, then not have it and need it, and so I know that one of the schools um, in the 10 and a half counties recently contacted me and asked about the Narcan, and so I was able to get her connected back to um, Lacey and, and her, her grant, and so that they can get, get to go in that school and do that, and I think that's really cool, because you never know if a kid's bringing in a vape that's been laced with fentanyl, because a lot of times they have no idea either. And so the good thing about that is even if somebody's not overdosing on fentanyl, it can't hurt them. So if you think it's happening, it's better to use it. And in the state of Oklahoma, you can't get in any legal trouble for that because it doesn't, it's not going to hurt them anyway. Um, But it's just a life-saving, a life-saving implement basically that you can have and it's better to use it, have it than not need it. um, sorry, I'm a little tongue-tied. It's better to have it and not need it,
1: yeah. Absolutely. Well, and I think it's, I'm sorry, I think, it, I think it's important to note that, you know, most of where we live and work and reside is rural and rural response times from um, emergency services. I, I, I know they're working as hard as they can, but, you know, there is a barrier and a lag sometimes. So sometimes it really could be the difference in saving someone's life by administering that.
0: Absolutely, and that's some good knowledge, good information to know. Um, Before we wrap it up, and I allow you uh, to uh, tell everyone about how they can contact you and things like that, I do want to know, Abby, from you, um, can you share with us briefly some of the common places that kids are hiding uh, drugs? I know that you Mentioned briefly about you know how it's looking like lipsticks and uh, mm-hmm. highlighters and things like that, but can you share with the families some of the uh, things that they could look for to see if the kids may be hiding uh, substance in the house, and then we'll come and wrap everything up.
2: Yeah, so you know, kids hide in traditional places, you know, under their mattresses, um, in pillowcases in their laundry, Um, but there's also this new trend happening where um, if they have access to Amazon Prime or older siblings, older cousins who have access, they can actually order lots of different things that look like maybe a water bottle or they look like um, a clock or even a battery Um, and you can actually hide drugs in those. And so none of that is marketed towards children in a way that's like hey hide your drugs from your parents but um, they know about it and if they have somebody then they can uh, get that brand it has even a hairbrush like hairbrushes some open at the end um, chapsticks deodorants all of those things can be um, modified so that you can hide stuff in it and so that's kind of one of the trends that we're finding out about um, and I know we need to wrap it up, but I also forgot to mention like the social media aspect of, of kids looking for drugs um, using emojis and um, letting people know what they have using emoji language. And so that's something, too, that it might look like the child is just speaking nonsense and sending lots of emojis, but that actually might be a coded message. And we found out about that because of a 12 year old client. Um, I was working on this with a, a partner of mine in um, and her 12-year-old client is the one who told her. And so we started looking into it. We're like, oh my gosh, this is really what they're doing. Um, so kids are smart. Have, and honestly, that when it comes to technology, they're smarter than we are. So we just have to try to be on our toes and educate ourselves as much as possible. And I always tell the parents, like, Google really can be your best friend. So if you see something that you feel like is odd, ask the internet. So...
0: Absolutely, Uh, and I'm glad you mentioned that, uh, because I know that uh, I had a a paper, a sheet that had uh, some of those emojis and stuff on there, and it totally slipped my mind, so I'm glad that you were able to uh, remember that and share that uh, with us, because I don't speak (laughs) emojis.
2: I don't either. (laughs) I've had to learn a little, but I don't normally speak it.
0: (laughs) I don't speak emoji and I'm, I'm just learning some <laughs> of this stuff, I, I know I was having a conversation and some emojis come up on the screen and I was on the back side of my computer trying to figure out what all that means. So <laughs> I could, can't keep up with all that. Yeah. So nonetheless, uh, say there's a, a, a school administrator or uh, an educator uh, that's listening, maybe a parent, and they want to know more and want to know how your program may be able to um, help in their schools or communities. Can you share a little bit about how they can reach you and what you can do to help uh, on the backside of that, who you're able to help, so to speak, so that uh, they'll know how to contact you?
2: Yeah, as far as um, treatment, if people are in need of counseling, substance abuse counseling um, for mine and Lacey's programs, because we work for Choctaw, they have to be um, someone who has a CDIB card. But as far as the prevention stuff that we get to do, we get to do that for anybody and everybody that will let us. And so um, the best way would just be to call Choctaw um, I'm in Durant. So do you want me to give an actual phone number? Okay, so that phone number is 580-920-2100, and my extension is 83838, and that's pr- the easiest way as far as um, getting a message for me, but I can also give my email, um, and that is um, A-M as in um, May, I don't know why that was so hard for me to come up, A-M, and then my last name Rally R O W L E Y at cn as in nancy hsa.com and that's probably the honest honestly the easiest way to contact me is through my email and I can we can attach this I don't know how you do this but if you have a if you put this on yeah, your we'll, facebook we'll, or whatever. we'll put it okay. on <laughs>
0: uh, in the description of the uh, actual uh, recording Perfect. itself go ahead uh Lacey, and share a little bit of about uh, who you can help and how they can contact you.
1: Yes, Um, as Abby mentioned, we have the the pleasure of being able to work in the community and do prevention efforts, not just in the school, but if there's a specific program or entity that would like more knowledge or training as it relates to drug trends or the the mock bedroom setup or um, opioid awareness or Narcan training, Anything in that wheelhouse, if there's anything that we can help with, you're, you're welcome to contact me at 918-649-1100, extension 6081, or at my e- email at l r C-A-L-L-A-H-A-N at C-N-H-S-A.com. We would be happy to help in any way.
0: Y'all got these little fingers of mine smoking over here.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We're putting you to work tonight.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Nonetheless, ladies, this has been a wealth of uh, knowledge and information that you share with me. And I appreciate you being here to uh, share this uh, information with us and with the audience. And I look forward to seeing you in our schools and Uh, in our communities to uh, continue to educate us on how we can uh, help prevent and uh, offset some of the issues that we're having uh, with our youth and hopefully uh, saving some of the lives of our uh, youth. Um, Nonetheless, guys, uh, what's done is done and what's said is said, and it's a wrap.